Buenas den hafade toru hamzu. Guaho si Clarissa Torres. I'm an artist, massage therapist, a student of many studies, your host, and the creator of the Genuinely Speaking podcast. This platform is a means to share what I've learned as well as the tools that I've accumulated through my personal experiences, research, and studies. If I had learned these things at an earlier age, I know that my perspectives would have already been broadened and I would have done things a whole lot differently. I can only imagine just how different our world could have been if these deep wisdoms were left with those that came before us. Since I can't go back in time to share these things with my younger self, then I choose to be here in the present to explore them with you. That is, if you'd like, of course. So, shall we begin? Guahan's people, particularly the island's women and children, suffer from unusually high incident rates of sexual assault. The Guam Daily Post reported that our small island has the second highest number of sexual assault cases per capita in the United States. There are 64.2 reported cases per 100,000 people in Guam, compared to the national rate of 23.2 per 100,000 people. Addressing sexual assault in a small island with a unique and interconnected culture can be incredibly difficult. Coming forward as a victim of sexual assault on Guam can be isolating and cause even greater trauma to victims of sexual crimes. For this reason, the presence of adequate victim support and advocacy is crucial. Guahan's disproportionate number of victims remain undersupported and without proper advocacy from government of Guam agencies, like the Guam Police Department and Department of Public Health, both of which fall under the executive branch of our government. The government of Guam is failing to protect our island's women and children from being further victimized and traumatized through its inability to hold sexual predators accountable for their actions and through the absence of psychotherapeutic resources to help both the survivor and predator bring an end to the vicious cycle of sexual assault. In an ideal world, in all cases of alleged sexual assault, the local police, health departments, and the judicial system would be working closely together, clearly communicating and sharing all forms of information, evidence, as well as any updates gathered for each individual case. This type of agency collaboration would benefit and protect the survivor from the possibility of re-traumatization by preventing the unnecessary need to recall, repeat, and reiterate the traumatic event more than once. The prevention comes because the information on each case would ideally already be updated for each entity. While our current health system primarily follows Western medicine practices and the Freudian psychotherapy, if our health systems were expansive, current, and up-to-date, the health department would follow a holistic approach to health and would be inclusive of different practices like indigenous medicinal practices, 
somatic experiencing therapies, and Jungian psychotherapy, to name a few. This more inclusive approach would allow for current therapies and more support for each sexual assault case, the survivor, and the perpetrator, allowing for each individual to holistically release post-traumatic stress symptoms and live their lives with the integrated wisdom of the traumatic experience. On Guam, our mental health department is currently following the Freudian psychological approach of top-down processing, meaning that everything is processed from the cognitive level, totally dismissing the fact that the mind and body are inseparable. Recent studies and experts in trauma therapy have stated that trauma is a perceived overwhelming event in which the individual has no means of fighting or fleeing for their safety. When the body is unable to channel the focused energy of fight or flight, it will numb itself and freeze in order to preserve the individual's life. And in worst cases, it will numb itself as the body shuts down. When an individual survives a traumatic experience, the unused energy from that experience is now stuck within the body, primarily the nervous system, which controls all of the body, including the mind. Because the electrical signal was unable to complete an action of survival, the nervous system actively tries to complete that signal. Unlike animals in nature that can complete this process on their own, we human beings require another human being to help hold safe space and to be a presence of compassion that can allow the individual's nervous system to complete its action of survival. Only then can the individual integrate the wisdom of the unique and traumatic experience pick up new resources to help them move forward and ultimately return to homeostasis. The practice of holding safe space for a traumatized individual can be seen in therapeutic practices like somatic experiencing. Somatic experiencing therapy is a psychobiological method that works with the individual in order to resolve trauma symptoms relieve chronic stress, and increase one's capacity to self-regulate. The primary goal in somatic experiencing is to help the individual increase their window of tolerance so that they are able to deal with life's many difficulties with the appropriate and healthy means through connecting them to their body, their breath, and the sensations that arrive within the body. As a survivor of sexual assault, I speak on these things because I unconsciously searched for these modalities in order to heal from my trauma. The incident happened when I was apprenticing under a group of Guahan's indigenous healers. Regardless of the fact that the predator was a prominent Makana, Duamti, or Surahanu, I turned to Arzu Umpti first in order to help me process the trauma. When the Du Umpti had reached their limitations and had done all that they possibly could, 
a Native American shaman entered my life. While this shaman was on Guam, we worked closely together and in a very small community. Though we came from two totally different cultural backgrounds, I was held in a deep and wise healing space, as well as I was given many tools that helped me to release the lingering energies from my traumatic experience. Fast forward a year or two, a God-given opportunity allowed me to gather my courage and to report the incident to the police. I eventually found myself making my way back to the scene of the crime with a few officers and another survivor. I had been avoiding the beautiful beach of Tengisen for so long because of the memories of my experience. As we made our way closer to the location, I could feel a strong, throbbing ache in my gut, and I wanted so badly to turn around and go the other way. But I kept going, and I kept breathing deeply, in through the nose, out through the mouth. And then suddenly, I remembered the tool given to me by the shaman. I used my breath and sound to find a pitch that resonated with the ache in my gut. This is similar to a somatic experiencing technique by Dr. Peter Levine that I found later in my personal studies. I walked a bit ahead of the group using this technique, probably sounding a bit crazy to anyone who didn't know what I was doing. Um, until the ache in my gut dissipated. Only then was I able to walk to the scene of the crime with a renewed sense of strength and confidence. Throughout the process of trying to work with the local police and judicial system, I sought counseling from a program at the University of Guam but because I had already processed so much with the help of the shaman, we were going over things that I had already processed, and I eventually stopped going to the counseling. Throughout my experience with the government system, I rarely heard from the officers handling my case, only to eventually learn that my personal case had reached the statute of limitations and never went to court. Around this time, there were many women like me coming forward about their personal experiences with this sexual predator. However, the judicial system still seems to disregard them, their stories, and continues to allow him to remain unaccountable for his actions. I am extremely blessed for the many healers that have helped me along my journey, as they all have been helping hands that have ushered me to where I am today. I'm grateful that my younger self innately chose to search outside of the box for other means in order to heal herself. And I am especially grateful to God for allowing me this deeply healing journey. While it was one hell of a roller coaster ride, I eventually came to see that each modality, modality chosen 
would intertwine with each other. I'm grateful to all the individuals within the government system who had worked with me, and I also recognize that they could only help me as much as the system imposed limitations allowed them to. While the current systems may have been put into place as a framework to work with the sexual assault and traumatic events of the times, it's clear to see that there are some very important factors that have been overlooked and that there needs to be some very important changes and renovations. The previous way of handling these types of traumatic events and the individuals affected by them are clearly not working effectively, nor do they protect the community and its most vulnerable. It is my hope and my prayer that these types of issues will continually be brought to light and that it will help shed light on a better way of helping our communities, society, and each other. And with that, we wrap up episode one of Genuinely Speaking. Thank you so much for listening to me, taking the time to be here with me. Most especially, thank you for your open mind. Si tu sun bendisi hao. God bless.